Good morning, SPS. Good morning. Actually, no, I normally say good morning, Shadwell. Ah, there we go. Uh, my name's Timmy, and I've been here at SPS for nearly, nearly eight years now. Um, and as part of choosing to try and always say yes to God whenever he asks, uh, I did recently get inducted as one of your two church wardens, along with the lovely Kirsten. Um, yes, it's not a bad job. But I, I would like to take this opportunity to thank Mr. Charlie Lang um, for his hard work for so many years as, as a church warden. I, um, I know that if it wasn't for, for the many demands he has outside of this building, he would, he would still be going. Um, and he's not here this morning, but that, that was a nice round of applause. But if we could give a massive one, I know he'll hear it wherever he is. Uh, so yeah, if we could give a big round of applause, Charlie. And uh, it, it is a great, great honor for me to, to follow in his footsteps. And I really do serve at the pleasure of you, the church family. So if there's ever anything that, that you want to discuss about church life, governance, you know, the, the lighting or the coffee outside, just, just let me know. Because if it's important to you, then it's important to us as, as a team as well. So we would love to, to help and serve. But this Sunday, I find myself serving you the Sunday sermon. Uh, which is also a real privilege, uh, though I have to say, preparing this talk this week has been like stress. It's been tough. Right? I've had big decisions. I've been tossing and turning, sweating about it, because you, know, you have to figure out, can I get away with wearing shorts on stage to preach, or do I just have to bring my portable fan? Like, which, which way is it going to go? I mean, I've been struggling. Has anyone else been struggling with the heat this week? Like, what, 20, 39 degrees? Did anyone get 40 degrees where you were? No, we weren't quite there. But 39 was, was a lot. I did see a tweet that um, <laughs> made me chuckle. It said, this heat has made me realize hell isn't for me. <laughs> so I'm going to be on my best behavior from tomorrow. Um, so I'm glad that the heat wave is at least making people consider their salvation. Uh, because being a Christian is great. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I mean, what, what do you guys love about being a Christian? Just shout some out. What do you love about it? Why is it quiet? <laughs> grace. <laughs> That's a very good and necessary one. Yeah, grace. <laughs> what else do you love? Family. Yes, we are an amazing church family, for sure, for sure. One more. Pardon? Confidence in being loved. Yes. Yes, lots of love in the Christian life. And Tim? Fellowship. Fellowship. Really, really good ones. All good answers. Um, for me, one of my favorite things about being a Christian is actually the fruit of the Spirit. So the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> Can you tell he was raised in Sunday school? Right, yeah. Uh, but, but they're an incredible basket of characteristics to have. And, and I can tell you now, especially during this COVID period, I've literally been praying for more of those characteristics and traits to manifest in my life. Um, and why wouldn't you? They're great to have. So, so when asked to contribute to this amazing series on uh, the book of Acts and journeying through what happened when the early church received the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, I was quite excited, actually. And it's been a great journey so far. Mark started us off in Acts chapter 3, uh, looking at when Peter and Paul got held up at, uh, as they were going into the temple, and, and Peter he healed a lame man, um, a beautiful act at the gate called Beautiful. Uh, and that was a, an amazing demonstration of you know, everyone being super happy and filled with fruit of the Spirit number two, which is joy. 
And then we had Abby talking about fruit number seven, faithfulness, uh, when she was talking again about Peter and John um, facing imprisonment. And they still boldly and proudly proclaimed the good news, proclaimed the truth of God and Jesus. And and I love what she said about um, us all needing to be amateur professionals when it comes to sharing the good news with those around us. Uh, Though that, that phrase, amateur professional, uh, was a bit triggering with sad memories of my failed football career. But um, the dream is still alive. The dream is still alive. And last week, I wasn't here, but, but Gareth did an amazing job. I watched back on YouTube uh, where he challenged us to go stand and speak and immediately. Um, and is he in here, Gareth? Are you? Yeah, can we give it up for Gareth? It was his first sermon as an ordained deacon. Uh, and he did a great job, so it was great to see And today, uh, we arrive at Acts chapters 6 and 7, where Stephen is in front of the Sanhedrin. And I wasn't killing it. It is going to be quite an emotional roller coaster. So feel free to take notes. There will be lots of additional um, references and scriptures that you might want to revisit later. And I did once hear that when you get to heaven, if you've been taking notes in church, you get to Q-jump. And just getting extra fast. So, you know, I don't know. True story, I'm not sure. But you want to be sure just in case. Uh, so let's take the reading. It's a long passage, but to provide some context, Stephen is one of seven newish Christians or, or believers who, who've been appointed as, as administrative leaders in the early church, uh, helping to distribute food to widows and others, uh, and also preaching the gospel. And they were chosen because they were particularly full of the Spirit and wisdom. Uh, and their demonstrations of their faith started to annoy some of those from the synagogue. So, so they started plotting and scheming. And so we pick up in Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 13. And then I'll go on to Acts chapter 7, 51 to 60. Acts chapter 6. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law, and they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. Acts chapter 7. You stiff-necked people, Stephen said. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You, have, you who have received the law that was given through angels, but have not obeyed it. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. 
It's the word of the Lord. So today I'm actually going to start with the ending of that and, and this whole passage because it is unavoidable after reading that. Stephen displayed one of the fruits we all need the most, peace. And that was in the face of adversity, abuse, and even facing death. You know, you've probably never seen someone get stoned in the biblical sense. Um, but but St. Stephen was subjected to exactly that here in Acts chapter 7. And, you know, we really have to put some respect on his name. You know, he truly earned that sainthood. You know, he was the first Christian martyr uh, to die for what we believe. You know, he literally had rocks thrown at him until he could live no more. Um, but how did he go? Truly at peace, looking to heaven, asking for forgiveness for those who were attacking him and falling asleep, as the passage says, uh, whilst being subjected to incredible cruelty. That sleep could only be the sleep that comes by the peace offered with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that filled St. Stephen is promised to us and wants to fill us whenever we ask. Uh, Another test for you. In the same way that Emmanuel means God with us. Nice. Um, This is quite similar to how the Holy, Holy Spirit is God within us. Here in our hearts, not as an optional extra, but actually as something guaranteed and a necessary part of our communion with God the Father, God the Son. Uh, The third part of that deal is God the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And John the Baptist talked about how he would baptize people with water, but Jesus would baptize with the Spirit. I sometimes get the impression that we forget the Holy Spirit is free and freely available. Uh, You know, maybe in fairness, there's some confusion uh, between being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues and other spiritual gifts. Um, but, But let me tell you now, especially if you're a new Christian, you don't need to feel any type of way about not praying in tongues yet or, or any of the other things. But I would definitely encourage you to be praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you. The, the first demonstration or manifestation of that is actually the fruit of the Spirit, as we have been discussing recently. We are all designed and built to be temples of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. So don't resist it, embrace it. Coming back to the passage from Acts, and and I left out about 50 verses, it's quite a long one. Um, But the part famously known as as Stephen's speech to the Sanhedrin, uh, we'll come into it as we go, but it's definitely one to go and read in full. Because the Sanhedrin were the council of uh, Jewish people who would hold tribunals at the temple in Jerusalem, particularly when someone had said anything questionable about the word of God, and and it was a place where they would then be brought to be challenged on what they were trying to preach. And and it's indeed a place where Jesus uh, was challenged. Jesus faced the Sanhedrin before he was crucified. And here again, the salvation story was being questioned, so Stephen needed to step in and answer. So he faced false accusations uh, and found himself being called to explain things that he hadn't actually even said. But instead, he took the opportunity to to take all of those in the room on a journey through 
the Israelite history from Abraham uh, to Moses and the Exodus, uh, right up to, well, back to Joseph and, and Egypt, then Moses and the Exodus, and then mentions Solomon and David as well. Because he was trying to make them see that although symbolic and very important, uh, the temple in which they were meeting was not the only place that God wanted to meet with his people. You know, if you think about creation, God wanted to walk in the garden with, with Adam. Uh, all he ever really wanted was to live in them and be close to them. God in all his glory appeared to Abraham and made a promise that his descendants would outnumber the grains of sand on the seashore. He, he met with Moses at the burning bush and, and told him he needed him to bring his people out of captivity. Uh, literally in the middle of nowhere, God was appearing to people uh, to tell them the truth. He didn't need a temple. And even now, we gather in this amazing church. But, but this building is not the temple. You know, it is a beautiful place for us to come together and fellowship and, and be a family together. Uh, but it's as a community that we can draw closer to our Heavenly Father collectively. You know, you and I are the temple, the place where God wants to dwell. Amen? And so reading from verse 48, Stephen was saying and, and quoting, However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? You know, the well-known theologian John Stott puts it this way. He wrote that a single thread runs through Stephen's defense. It is that the God of Israel is a pilgrim God who is not restricted to any one place. If he has any home in, on earth, it is with his people that he lives. What an incredible gift. We are loved by a God who wants to live with and within us by the Holy Spirit. I mean, who could say no to that offer? So we know that God wants to uh, live in us with the Holy Spirit. He even made space or capacity in us ready for that to take place, uh, which is fantastic. But these days, thinking about capacity and Space makes me think of my fuel tank, which um, is hard times. I don't know about you, but the way these fuel prices have been going, I'm actually leaving my tank a little bit more empty than usual. Just praying for the day. It goes from 187 more to like 147.9, and, and then will really fill up. But, but whilst hunting around, it's only when I find a really good price that, that will fill the tank. And if you need a tip, Costco has great price. I see some nods, yes. The Costco fans are in the building. Costco has some great prices on petrol at the moment. Uh, so if you haven't got a card, borrow one because it will be worth it. But in the meantime, what, what, what I can't do is fill the empty part of my tank with anything else just because it's cheaper or more readily available. It, it, it just wouldn't work. There is no substitute for the unleaded that needs to go in to, to the car. And, and so I wish, you know, I would love to just put some water in there and, and carry on my day. But, but it's not what it was designed to be filled with. And, and the interesting thing about that, if you've, has anyone ever put the wrong fuel in, in the tank? <laughs> Sarah. <laughs> Diesel in your unleaded. Oh, oh, they're all confessing that. Um, but, but what I have heard or seen about that is even when you do put the wrong thing in, the car will still start. Oh, yours didn't. Oh. It started but didn't go. Ah, so I heard a story that it started because there was still some of the right stuff in there. But then as you go, it will stop. <laughs> it will stop working. It will give up the ghost or it won't go at all. 
And, and in the same way, we can't try to fill the void that exists where God wants to fill us with anything but God. You know, Stephen talks about how the Israelites rejected God in the desert in verse 40. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time they made an idol in the form of a calf. They brought sacrifices to it and reveled in what their own hands had made. I mean, look at how desperately they needed something to worship. Even just a few days without the presence of God with, with Moses or Moses leading them, they were completely distracted and looking for something to, to fill that gap, looking to satisfy that need. But nothing would satisfy it but a relationship with, with their Heavenly Father. And if you've ever been in one of my, my groups on the Alpha course, you'll, you'll probably have heard my thoughts on this God-shaped hole that I believe we all have. And, you know, bizarrely, I don't know, I thought I had made up the phrase God-shaped hole, but it apparently dates back to the 17th century. So, so I can't really claim that one anymore. Uh, Blaise Pascal passed away in 1662. Um, but a book of his writings was posthumously uh, put together uh, as a book and a passage really stood out to me uh, that says, What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace? This he tries to f in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are. Though none can help, since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. Possessions, our careers, lifestyle, our children, Netflix, Love Island, holidays. None of it can fill this hole. You know, have you ever been away? Have you ever been away on holiday, landed back, started unpacking your bags and thought, oh, when's the, when's the next trip? Where are we headed after? I know people who sit on the beach whilst on holiday and start booking their next trip because they're already thinking, I, I need more of this. I need, I need this satisfaction out of it. Um, you know, throughout time, just as the Israelites did with the golden calf, we have tried to fill this God-shaped God hole with anything but God. Uh, and it just doesn't work. You know, Jesus repeatedly offered himself as the solution. He said, I am the bread of life. Those who are thirsty, come to me and drink. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amazing promises. Uh, and so they remind us that we have to heed Stephen's words and be the temples of the Holy Spirit that we were created to be. Let's fill our God-shaped hole with, with the one relationship that can truly satisfy, once and for all. Because after all, that is what this life is really all about. You know, you said it with family. It's about relationship. We as a church family share and build a beautiful relationship together that transcends all the differences that, that the world would normally try to focus on. This Christian life isn't about religion. It is all about relationship. Religion is our attempt to draw close to God or to earn our way to God. But, but <laughs> we really don't need to. God has already set it up so that he's freely available and his spirit is freely available. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I don't know why we've made it more complicated than it needs to be. And the beauty is just like any good relationship, it's give and take. You know, we give our hearts to God and he gives us and offers us so much more in return. You know, in John 14, uh, verse 15 to 17, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate 
to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Amazing words. The Holy Spirit has promised to us to fill the God-shaped hole that we all have. And as we have been reading from Galatians 5, an amazing uh, byproduct is then the fruit of the Spirit, you know, love, joy, peace. So we've landed back at peace, and I don't know about you, but, but I want the peace that Stephen had. You know, I want, well, I don't want the death that Stephen had, but I want that level of peace. Incredible gift. That's the peace that I needed this week when I got to Nando's with a friend who had flown in from New York, dreaming of Nando's, dreaming of a whole chicken, full platter, and uh, we get there, and they say they have no chicken available. Nando's with no chicken. Are you all right? But I prayed, and the peace fell, and we were okay. And we had thighs or, or something else instead. Uh, but Stephen here was demonstrating that peace in f- far more trying circumstances. Um, you know, he was facing false accusations and still allowed the peace of God to flow through him. Where in your life do you need that peace? At work, dealing with family tensions, maybe even just driving in London traffic? Like, where does that peace need to be found for you? Just ask God for it. So I'm going to invite the band um, to to come back up as I come into land. Because, friends, that peace is freely available uh, to us all here and now. And we we need it. I don't know if anyone has made it through uh, the last couple of years without you know that support from God because even COVID aside the challenges that 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 we that life throws at us requires a level of peace that only God can give I know my own life just in the last five or six years having to to weather the storms has, has sometimes felt unbearable you know I could I could not be standing here but for the grace of God and the peace that he freely gives you know we come through challenges like seeing those closest to you suffer Suffer terrible illness or, or, you know, losing your job or missing out or missing out on a job or losing your home or even your marriage or, or losing a loved one sooner than expected. I've experienced all of those. And it was only the peace of God which surpassed my understanding that could keep my heart and mind in the right place. My brother was 18 years old. And he suddenly passed away in 2015. We didn't get to say goodbye. We had no warning. But in that moment of indescribable heartbreak, I saw how this peace flowed through my mother like I'd never seen before. Because he was the baby of the family, the golden child, kind, selfless, funny. And my parents will deny it, but he was definitely the favorite. (laughs) Definitely. And I can hold my hands up. He deserved it. He was outstanding yet he was taken well before our time and our faith was tested but my mum turned around and quoted the words of Job the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away may the name of the Lord still be praised she knew that no matter what God was in control and and having his spirit gave her a peace that others may never understand until they experience it because we never know what God has in store. So you can fast forward a few years, and, and within a year of launching, the charity that was set up in my brother's memory raised 50,000 pounds to help 
changed the lives of many young people who, who would otherwise be from a very difficult, disadvantaged background and never get the opportunities that they're going to have. Some of you have given towards this work and, and we're extremely grateful that his legacy will live on. But in an even greater way, the legacy of St. Stephen lives on long after he peacefully fell asleep at the hands of his accusers. Because if you read on into chapter 8 of Acts, uh, which will be covered next week, and I'm sure Michael's going to do an amazing job on it, so definitely worth watching back if you are at focus. Uh, an amazing thing happened. The stoning of St. Stephen actually triggered a wave of persecution of the early church, you know, often led by that guy Saul, who later became Paul. Um, but it forced a lot of people to leave Jerusalem because they were genuinely scared for their lives. But what that meant was that the good news made it further and faster across the world than it ever would have done if they were just happily staying and fellowshipping together in Jerusalem. Stephen's speech and stoning sparked the very first revival breaking out. I mean, what a testimony that is. And, and, and Jesus warned everyone that, that life was going to be like this. You know, he said at the last supper, last supper, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have already overcome the world. And we aren't guaranteed an easy life as Christians, you know. So if you need peace in your life, if you need courage for what you're facing, pray for it, ask for it. I invite you to come uh, and receive prayer this morning. Here under the gallery to my left and, and your right, there will be some of the team ready for you. But, you know, it's freely available. The Holy Spirit is freely available. Just come and ask. So let's worship again as, as we prepare for communion and pray for God's peace to, to fall on all of us. And may God bless us as we do so. Amen.